0: Hello and welcome to the Climate Change Unfolding podcast. It is 9pm on a Friday night and I'm all alone at home, (laughs) rock and roll. (laughs) Okay, I'm not quite all alone, I just put my kid to bed and I try and record in the daytime because at night where I live here it's like some crazy frog insect orchestra from the jungle and the river and the trees around. I don't know if you can hear it, I hope not. And if so, I hope it's not too distracting. I've been trying to keep the momentum going on this podcast, so I really wanted to get it done this week and find a spare 30 minutes to do it <laughs> all week. But it's been a bit mental. And lots of things going on at work and life, but all good. Here I am. And if I don't fall asleep, and if the baby dictator doesn't wake up and demand my immediate attention <laughs> after a wild week, let's be honest, and a pretty weak and rambly introduction, <laughs> this is part three of Engaging the Masses. Powerful Empathy. ultimately the purpose of this series of episodes is to help you be wildly successful with your sustainability work and to take all of the wonderful things that you're doing or that you're planning on doing in the future and give you the tools to engage people in a deep and powerful way so the first episode was talking about subject and motivation ultimately you need enough motivation to have the drive to move things forwards and if you want people to do your work for you and promote your work for you they need to be sufficiently motivated and empowered the second episode was about how the culture changes and how you engage the masses with your ideas hitting people deep connecting to what matters to them starting with the people who are most receptive and focusing on the people that matter most you know it was about engaging the critical unempowered and unengaged silent middle of the population and it was about amazing grassroots movements that have rocked our very world for the better and that's about an hour's talk and two episodes condensed to about a minute. But if you want the depth, and you do want the depth, by the way, um, which is one of the things I was saying in the episodes, then go back and listen. Um, but I'm about to dig into how you can make your idea come to life for other people. And this is part three of Engaging the Masses, powerful empathy. According to the infinite wisdom of Google, <laughs> empathy is defined as the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. The ability to understand and share the feelings of another. It's pretty simple, but it's devastatingly powerful. And I'd class empathy is perhaps the most central skill to effective communicating and inspiring interest in your idea. And so if you're only going to take one thing from this particular episode, make it the following few sentences. Don't tell someone your sustainable idea. Tell them how your idea enriches their lives. Tell them what problem you're solving for them and connect your idea to something that matters to them. Put yourself in their shoes. What are their motivations? What are their beliefs, their drives, their values? What do they love? What do they hate? What matters to them and what really doesn't? What switches them off? What turns them on? How how are they feeling right now? What else is on their mind? What do they already know and think of the topic you're tackling? All those sort of things can come into consideration. You know, effective, empathetic communication will likely require radically different approaches depending on how you're communicating, through what medium, and who you're communicating to. And getting it right has a massive impact on your success or failure. So let me give you an example. Over time, I got it wrong. And then subsequently, uh, to the same person on the same topic, got it right just to illustrate the power of getting this right or wrong so a while ago I was on a bit of a single-use plastic mission and I cut out most of it out of my business and um, and I could see so much around me and it, I wanted to see if some of the other people around my friends and and other business owners were also able and willing to do the same and so I brought it up with a friend but I, I did it in completely the wrong way I can't remember exactly how I said it but it was over a drink in the evening I think I said something along the lines of filling up the oceans and the rivers and needing to do our part and he was totally unengaged and all I got was some vague nods of agreement and no action out of it and I was reflecting on it again a few days later and the value it ultimately brought me and I realized all I had to do was focus on value and there was real powerful value there for him and I completely overlooked it and so and so had he so he's a friend so I found him at work and I said okay give me five minutes I'm going to save you thousands of dollars I said something like this Let, let's say you get around 10,000 clients a year and you give them around three plastic bottles each at 30 cents. That's 30,000 bottles and $9,000 a year. The Tiva water filters I've just installed in my office cost 50 bucks each. And for your operations, like places you're at, you'll probably need five filters plus a few containers, some cups, a bit of water, you know, water bill. But that's super cheap. So, probably gonna cost you $400 a year. <laughs> so that's a straight up saving of $8,600 a year plus if you present it right to the clients you're going to get good vibes with the customers and that's 30,000 less bottles you're ending up in the river or the landfill <laughs> plenty of good environmental karma coming your way as a nice bonus as well <laughs> you know what do you think he did 24 hours later he had some water filters and a week later he had he would paid back his money and he's saving bottles and you know so that's just a, a great example of focusing on the value and the difference two different approaches can make it's It's also a great example, by the way, of breaking down that profit versus morals construct that I talked about in in a previous episode. Obviously not every environmental initiative is gonna be that clear cut, win-win, but there's almost always a way of focusing on the value. And the point is once people see enough value, action becomes the obvious thing to do. And I'm not just talking about monetary value here either, by the way, it can be value of all types, you know, happiness, solving a problem for them, relieving a stress or a worry, making life easier, all sorts focus on the value. One of the key things that gets in the way of impact of projects moving forwards is engaging key decision makers boss is a common example for this or an investor or a leading public figure who holds the power to say yes or no if you want someone to engage with the idea first you have to put yourself in their shoes and work out what's important to them where can your idea bring value to them you know whatever communication and dialogue you have with that person significant portion of that communication should be in bringing the value to life for them you know your idea also in an ideal world should be flexible. So you you can adapt your idea to bring real genuine value to that decision maker. You're not just painting a pretty picture, but you really have a legitimate shot at delivering great value. Far better to have a version of your idea that brings enough value to get a sign off from the person it needs than the original perfect version of the idea that never gets anywhere and has zero impact. This concept of focusing on value when you're communicating to someone it's so obvious and intuitive and it's powerful if it used right yet somehow it's so common not to do it (laughs) even when people understand somehow for some reason it seems to be so easily overlooked and it's mostly i think it's because we're all preoccupied with what's going on in our own heads and our own minds and what's important to us remembering what's important to the other person i think is just a big part of it but and then what's going to happen to most people who are listening is the next time we're presenting something, they're going to do exactly what they've always done. And this happens to my team when I train them in sales. Everyone agrees. Most people just go back to doing, talking about the same things, things like the price, for example, which is important to know once you want the product. But first, you've got to make people want the product. That's what sales is about, is make people want the product, then work out the details once they actually are interested and engaged and keen. I guess what I'm saying is don't just intellectually agree in principle. Every time you're going to do a talk or engage someone or present something to an individual or a group, first think what's important to them. and Connect something they want to your idea. This next topic is a critical aspect of empathy and connecting it to sustainability. I wanna talk about receptiveness. How receptive is your audience to your message? How you communicate has to change dramatically depending on their level of receptiveness. You can also call this sales aversion. Have they requested some information? Or are you talking to them uninvited did their boss tell them that they have to listen to this talk on sustainability <laughs> you know is this a topic that they hate talking about or are they hungrily lapping up everything that you're saying did they pay to listen have they come craving information from you and before i talk about sustainability properly on this topic let me draw on another field to give you an example you know when i again when i'm training my staff on sales a key aspect is is that sales aversion a really important thing to understand sales aversion we're all very familiar with even if we don't have a label for it and know the term someone approaches you on the street gets right in your personal space uninvited tries to sell you something follows you doesn't give up hassles you that feeling that you get i'm labeling that sales aversion you know that you've got a real aversion to that that person that salesman or that sales i'm um, coming at you and you have to be a lot more sensitive and aware of sales aversion if you're talking to someone on your initiation take two examples the same people same environment but consider how drastically different approaches would be appropriate random example joe blogs is upset by the amount of plastic waste in his office he knocks on his manager sally's door to discuss the issue with her sally's super busy and has got a lot on her plate she's stressed about a range of things but you know she nods says okay joe come on in And then he gets going on what he has to say. In the second example, Sally's seen the waste problem, knows Joe, is knowledgeable and passionate about it. So he asked Joe to come to her office and discuss how to solve it. So it's the same people, the same office, same communication medium then just face to face two of them talking dramatically different dynamic and when sales aversion is there you need to be a lot softer and a lot more sensitive with your approach you know focus on the benefits to sally to get her attention and then talk practical details later but if sally's already engaged you can cultivate that engagement and enthusiasm by focusing on value but you don't need that to the same extent you can get down to business and the practicalities. So consider all the complex psychological factors associated with climate change for the general public. You've got guilt, you've got fear, powerlessness, a range of core things that people identify with that are under scrutiny, things like cars, holidays, what we eat. This is a soft sell topic, except in very specific circumstances, person to person who hasn't had some kind of pushback from some kind of conversation with one of our friends or family, you know, so be bold enough to start the conversations if people are open to it, of course but sensitive enough to do it in a way that doesn't build up walls. You know, most people are happy to have a conversation, especially if their opinions and thoughts are being (laughs) genuinely listened to, you know. So you're listening as much as talking, you're asking more than you are telling, you know, looking for common ground and focusing on aspects that whoever you're talking to, people can relate to. Ultimately, what I'm trying to say is be sensitive to that sales aversion, that receptiveness, because even a little bit of lack of sensitivity about that will create real problems for your communication and engaging people in your ideas. This next topic is for scientists especially, but it's relevant to all of us and it's about understanding the impact that we have on our audience vague undefined uncertain consequences they're the worst in terms of making action and consequence connect and that of course is is often what we face in the sustainability field so what we have to do is we lead with what we know lead with what we know i get it uncertainty is part of climate science it's also a massive obstacle for clear direct actions you know scientists are very cautious about overstating what we know for good reason but they are in doing so undermining action at least lead with the things you know that are proven. So people get the idea first, there's a clear consensus, a core message that's known, there's power and consensus. You can add your caveats of unknowns afterwards and the uncertainties and the windows, um, but also take care on how you word it so it doesn't undermine the core message. Uncertainty really undermines action. I want to talk a few more specific practical examples of using empathy. It's not just about understanding the values of your audience. It's also about communicating in a way that's relatable to your audience too with language that people can understand. I just last night <laughs> attended a meeting in capital city Kampala hosted by the head of the World Bank in Uganda and it was about World Bank conservation area that's supposed to protect the riverbanks and the section of the Nile River but it's doing a miserable job following through on its aim. And they held this meeting to engage the local stakeholders, community members, tour operators and um, because they have been told by the board of the World Bank, based on an inspection, that they found their action to be really ineffective and inappropriate and, and not in line with what the bank's policies are. So <laughs> it was held in a shiny office in central Kampala, capital of Uganda, right in the middle of the central business district. We had to walk through enormous, posh, sort of elaborate glass doors to get into the meeting room and there's a fancy metal work placard above the these big entrance doors saying end poverty <laughs> across the door and it it's highly technical acronym filled policy oriented PowerPoint presentation and they're talking to community members local community members from the village it's come three hours on a local Mitati bus which is you know like the local transport and they're so out of touch it wasn't even funny you know it's the best bit of the meeting was afterwards when one of a very few local councillors who made it out from the village you know one of hundreds of local councillors that could have been there only a few of them made it but um <laughs> he took a very posh looking tablecloth style napkin and loaded it piled high full of all the remaining food and snacks that were laid out He you know scraped them all into this enormous pile and folded them up grabbed another napkin wrapped it at the top and like tucked it under his arm <laughs> and he walked out and it was just so obvious he he barely understood a thing that's been said he knows he's not going to get listened to anyway he, you know, and he might as well take home enough free food to to feed his extended family for tonight, you know. I saw one of the World Bank guys just watching with, like, absolute shock. You know, it was just a hilarious moment to illustrate this disconnect as this, like, guy walked under this end poverty sign with this posh napkin full of these uh, fancy snacks. <laughs> anyway, so that's just, a like, a, an immediate example of someone getting it terribly wrong, you know, using the wrong type of communication and the wrong type of language uh, that people couldn't relate to. So the point is use you know who's your audience? You know is it academics? Don't be shy to talk like an academic if you're presenting to them. If it's the general public, don't talk like an academic. <laughs> you're going to put up barriers, you know, they're not going to understand the acronyms anyway. I'm not saying you should pretend to be someone that you're not. People see through that. It's going to come as unauthentic and insincere. You know, standing in front of a group of inner city street kids and start rapping, talking like you're down with the kids. You know, you're going to get laughed laugh off the stage. You've got to be sincere, but try and find common ground. You might have a different belief system to your audience, but just stay clear of the differences. Use words that they can relate to, but it doesn't mean you, you can't still talk from your own heart and use your own sincerity about the things that matter to you, but things that also matter to them. Good strategy to avoid the values that are specifically not in line with your audience. And be true to what you think, but be selective. (laughs) So an interesting example of that, and that's quite an important topic to discuss, is the conservative-liberal divide. Imagine the political spectrum, liberals on the left, conservatives on the right, Democrats and Republicans if you're from from those days. But in general, the liberals are much more engaged with climate and sustainability issues than conservative And topics of climate change for a range of reasons are intertwined quite closely with values that are distinctly left-leaning. And if you want to take this issue or your particular idea, a bipartisan mass adoption thing, you really need to consider the centre-right, not the extreme right, you know, which people focus on a bit too much, which are a bit of a lost cause uphill battle (laughs) for climate change and sustainability. But the people in the middle are leaning slightly on the conservative side so if you're a liberal and the decision maker that's going to sign off on your project is a center-right conservative and by the way that's not that unlikely a scenario a lot of CEOs or high up members of society let's see do lean to the right side of this political spectrum so you need to consider what's an effective way to appeal to someone with pretty fundamental different values to you If conservatives ultimately in a sort of grander scale, public scale, are going to engage in this climate change issue, they need to hear language and narratives and and values that speak to them. (laughs) See if I can bust out an example, you know. So climate change can only be dealt with using discipline, hard work, intelligence, effective organisation realistically if we're going to sort this problem out we're going to need people who can get things done climate change is like a bad debt we're cashing in at the expense of our children's future and the economics is clear the cost of action is absolutely dwarfed by the cost of inaction there's no doubt we need powerful leadership strong moral values to bring us together again to find a collective sense of purpose and (laughs) solve this problem okay so i'm gonna run (laughs) Uh, yeah so this is me running for election in uh, in the next conservative (laughs) campaign but you know i don't know if i got the tone quite right or the exact message but the point is you know the sort of words and sort of phrases you might hear from a center-right politician there's no talk of social injustice, bringing down the elite, massive government interventions and, and certainly not tree-hugging eco-warriors protesting with their climate change signs. And those sort of things really bring up a lot of aversion. They're going to slam a barrier between you and, and the person you're trying to engage with. We need leaders across the political spectrum to be inspiring in their followers' change. And that means changing the dialogue to work for their followers' core values. you find yourself in a situation where you're talking to people that are very different starting with common ground especially common values it shows you both human and it sets the dynamic of the conversation initially at least as non-confrontational so good tactic for conflict resolution is to start with common ground start with something that you agree on and that's the basis for the conversation it's a really good tactic so just something i wanted to kind of like highlight and draw on a little bit more on that previous discussion people don't remember what you said they remember how it made them feel i don't know who said that quote but i love it how you come across makes such a difference to whether someone engages with your idea surprisingly it's almost more than what you're saying which is crazy really you take politicians how many times have you heard a voter say something like i don't agree with everything he says but he seems like a genuine straight-talking guy (laughs) you know so politician particularly jumps to mind for that but it's It's a pretty well-known fact that most voters end up voting for the leader they would most like to sit down and have a beer with. (laughs) Which, when you think about it, is just complete madness. And it fascinates me. You know, What are the chances you're going to sit down and have a beer with your Prime Minister or your President? Or what are the chances that your President's beliefs are going to, in some way, be implemented and affect your life (laughs) in a practical sense? It doesn't matter one bit whether you'd enjoy having a couple of pints with him or not. It matters what he's going to get done I'm always going to stand for, but, you know, we're funny creatures and not the logical things we would like to think we are. Another example along this vein is the Extinction Rebellion. I don't know if you've heard them. Hopefully you have. They're a civil disobedience movement acting on climate change, and they've been accused of being middle-class, white, privileged. And that's potentially undermining the message they're bringing. And, you know, of course, we shouldn't be judging them based on the colour of their skin, <laughs> you know, and we shouldn't be judging them whether they're poor or wealthy or even in a perfectly logical world we wouldn't even judge them by the exact way that they're communicating their message which is also a little bit controversial we should be listening to the power and the clarity of their message but as human beings we're strange creatures like i said (laughs) we're not logical a takeaway from all of that then is if you want buy into your message you have to have a high level sensitivity to how you're coming across to your audience and that's empathy again And to do that effectively, you have to remember how dramatically different people's values and backgrounds are. What context are people going to be seeing you in? Through what filter do they see what you say? How many opportunities have been missed by talking to the right person at the wrong time? You call a busy person, unrequested, immediately launch into a 20-minute sales pitch from your idea. Actually, not just a busy person, pretty much anyone... Just ask if it's a good time to have a chat about something you might be able to work together on. You never know if they're at the kid's birthday party or just tell them the news or they're halfway through an argument with their spouse. Even the act of thinking about whether it's a good time for them is is a sign of basic empathy, having some level of sensitivity to how they might be feeling. And it immediately sets off a conversation in a respectful kind of way turning obstacles into objections and this is a sales concept so part of sales training i've done for staff and other people in the past and it totally relates to engaging decision makers as well so an obstacle is something that's stopping someone engaging with your idea but an objection is almost the same but it's an obstacle that's been verbalized or voiced so good questioning and good listening help turn obstacles into objections and once they're voiced you can tackle them head on it's much easier to solve that problem if it's been verbalized even if you can't see a solution immediately say thanks very much that's really important i see what you're saying it's important we address that let me think on it and i'll come back to you on that when someone's on the fence you're trying to get a decision and you're trying to move your project forward but something is getting in the way ask what's your primary concern here what's getting in the way of getting this done Those sort of questions immediately gonna draw out the key answers. They probably got a mix of things going on in their head. They probably wanna do it for some reason and don't wanna do it for others. By focusing on value, you cultivate the desire for that project or idea. By turning obstacles into objections and by tackling them head on, you remove the things that are getting in the way. It's an important point critical for getting things done. Ultimately, I just talked for however many minutes about empathy and the skill of using empathy to connect your idea to something that matters to your audience. And to be honest, I basically explained it all in the first few minutes and I just re-explained it then in about 20 seconds. But if I'd stopped there, the importance and the power of empathy, I think, might have got lost. The rest was examples and context and a framework around those basic principles of using empathy to communicate effectively. And hopefully the values and the examples had value too to illustrate how to apply it in real situations to give some context to how it might directly benefit your work and i hope you brought the power of empathy to life (laughs) and whilst we're on bringing things to life that's actually what i'm going to talk about next time crafting the right stories weaving a dialogue around your work that inspires people to engage so stand by for part four of engaging the masses bringing your work to life this is sam ward climate change unfolding see you next time